0: From the
1: 980 CFPL studios in the heart of downtown London at Wellington and Dundas, London Live with Mike Stubbs is on the air. It's the show that's in your backyard and on your side. Now, here's your host, Mike Stubbs.
2: Just confirmed on London Live. In an hour from now, you will want to be here, especially if you have been as fascinated by the latest Exotic animal story that has been going around. You know this story. You can actually find it right now on globalnews.ca and at 980cfpl.ca. And it involves an attempt to own, possess, harbor, or keep animals that would be considered exotic. Lions, tigers, elephants, kangaroos, crocodiles. There's a big, long list. In Grand Bend. And we've had Lambton Shores counselors talk about this. And they have instituted a ban on the ownership of exotic animals. We talked with Lambton County Mayor Bill Weber. He told 980 CFPL News that the area where Roaring Cat Retreat was intended to go, which was the old Pine Ridge Zoo just south of Grand Bend, is a residential area. He mentioned there are a lot of children in the area. Residents are concerned with having their kids outside, concerned for their safety, no zoning for a zoo on that property. So he went over all of those things. The man who was trying to put that kind of an operation in grand Bend is going to be joining us. The Roaring Cat Retreat. He's going to join us in an hour from now. Mark Drysdale due to be in studio. And so we'll talk with him about what his plans were, the things that he feels he wanted to have happen, and we'll get his thoughts on what has been taking place. It's been a fascinating story. Again, if you haven't seen it, please head to 980cfpl.ca and check that out. Lots of other things happening on the show today. Did you catch Colleen Keel, who really put London on the map on Wheel of Fortune last night when Pat Sajak comes over? And you know how Pat does this, and he talks to each of the contestants, asks them a couple of questions, and he asks Colleen, well, what part of Canada are you from? And she's able to say London, Ontario. Well, she had a big night on Wheel of Fortune last night, did not make it to the final, but really could have. The wheel was not her friend. I think Pat called it the the wheel of torture instead of the wheel of fortune. She had a couple of times where she'd built up money and then hit bankrupt. And so we'll be able to talk with Colleen Keel in about 30 minutes from now. And we'll go through what it is like to spend the day on set at Wheel of Fortune. This is not sleep in until 11 o'clock, hang out, and off to a relaxing day necessarily. But it was a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. She did come back with winnings. We're not spoiling anything to tell you. She won over $17,000. She solved puzzles, uh, sprint to the finish. She was amazing in the late going. Of that game last night. So Colleen Keel will join us on London Live. We're also going to be talking about something that's been happening for 25 years. That you may not know anything about. And that something is taking a bigger step this year. And that something is drive to play ball. Now that's not the thing that's been happening for 25 years. But London Middlesex Community Housing has been organizing a baseball league for 25 years now where you have one housing complex taking on another, taking on another, and kids have been able to play. And it's been a great experience, but it's something that we haven't really heard too much about. Well, this year, we are being asked to get involved. And there's a big date coming, May the 4th, and it will happen at Labatt Park. The London Majors are involved. We've got four very special guests coming in studio later on London Live, and we're going to talk about what Drive to Play Ball is all about. And if you have seen an example in your life, and you probably have, of what sports can do for a child, being involved in sports, you know that being a part of a team is absolutely key anymore. Look at when you are trained at a college level or a university level, the number of group activities that exist, even in high school, the number of group activities that you are placed in, it makes you. Look back and say, yeah, okay, I I know what this is like because I once played T-ball. And it's as simple as that. If you have been a part of any team that has gone and achieved a goal, then it makes a difference later in life. And teamwork in the workplace, absolutely massive. You know, there there's a great line. I'd never really even thought of this. It's it's strange. There's a great line, and it comes from Colin Cowherd, who works for ESPN in the United States. And he happens to be a sports talk show host. And he was asked one time, hey, when young people come to you, what tips do you give to them? And you would think the easy ones are, well, work hard, be dedicated, uh, network, all of those things. You know what his tip was? And, again, it's something that makes perfect sense, but you wouldn't think of it. His tip was, seek out great managers. Wait, what do you mean, seek out great managers? Seek out great managers. So, in other words, find yourself a good boss. And then you will see doors open for you like you wouldn't believe Because that good boss is going to recognize talent. That good boss is talented themselves. And things just kind of mesh a whole lot better. I never thought of that. As you're going around looking for jobs, and we had a job fair this past week in London, seeking out good managers, seeking out great places to work. It can mean the world. If you can wake up in the morning and go, you know what I get to do today? I get to go to work. That's a really different attitude than what we get sometimes where you wake up and you go, oh, got to work today. Man, wish it was a long weekend. Man, I wish it was Saturday. But if you can wake up in the morning and want to go to work, it makes all the difference in the world. So uh, we are, uh, we're in a situation where you've got you to find a way to give kids that feeling And in something as simple as a baseball league that's been lasting for 25 years and now is hitting another level where they're looking to outfit kids with their own equipment, you get that sense of what it means to be a part of a great group. And they've had great coaching. You want to talk about great managers? Yeah, they've had great coaching thanks to their involvement with London Police Service for a long, long time. So that's coming up later on in the show. Coming up very soon... We're going to be talking about the non-GMO project. Yesterday, we got a chance to talk about how polarizing the topic of genetically modified organisms is. Immediately, people will say, this is great. This is the future. This is what we need. Let's make things better. Let's make organisms that can be pest resistant. Let's make organisms that can be drought resistant. Let's, let's change the world. And you think, okay, that's good, that's good, Just that, that's good. But then you have the other side saying, yeah, what is the modification doing? Al sent a great email yesterday because we were talking about the salmon and PEI that have been genetically modified. So they've taken some DNA from the Chinook salmon and they've put it into a different salmon. And the salmon wind up getting to maturity a whole lot faster all on their own after the genetic modification. And that means that they can get to store shelves, and that means that they can lower the price, and so there's a lot of things there. What Al had emailed in is, yeah, okay, what if one of these salmon gets out and starts breeding with other salmon? Wait a minute, what have we got going on? You know, you think about what yellow jackets have done in the bee world, and the fact that we have had certain types of bees and wasps basically wiped out. Look at ladybugs. You've got the, the, what is it, the Japanese ladybug? Is that the one that kind of took over? So you have these things, and you know you can argue those are happening naturally, but what if all of a sudden we get something out there that shouldn't be out there that is making a difference? So that's what makes it so polarizing, where you have people saying, yeah, I'm all for this, and then immediately on the other side of the fence, you've got people saying, no, I am not in favor of this at all. Well, there's something called the non-GMO project, and when we return on London Live, we will talk about what that is so that if you are on a certain side of the fence— you can either say, yeah, I'm in favor of this and I am willing to buy this product, or you can look and say, I don't want anything genetically modified. I want to have more regulations in Canada and the United States. We are very different from Europe when it comes to regulations. And so we'll talk about what that has been doing and how companies are actually seeking out the non-GMO project to say, can you help us test and prove that we are non-genetically modified so that we can get that symbol and we can show people because that's what we want to express to the marketplace so it it is a very interesting discussion and we'll continue it in that way and yes at some point today we will talk london knights we'll fit that in the knights ended up seeing their season come to an end last night you got a great email from rose and rose had said she didn't realize the experience level of the guelph storm Uh, i think we got kind of tarnished by the way that this series went because this series between the London Knights and the Guelph Storm started out with the Knights winning three in a row and you would think Phew, they're gonna win it and Guelph is just kind of rolling over Guelph is never a team that would roll over and when they got their big guns going they became what the Guelph Storm are which is a very good hockey team and unfortunately it went the way that it did and that's kind of what happens in sports why you play the games and so I think if you look back at the beginning of the year and you looked at the expectations, this will take a while because it, it, it stings. And people are going to say, oh, that was awful. I was OK. Well, you, you have every right to say that. But when you go back after a while and you look at what the expectations were and what the team did, I think Knights fans or people who follow the OHL will have a very different sense about what this year was like and what unfolds for the future uh, based on time. Just a little bit of time. Take a break. Up next, we will talk about the non-GMO project, fill you in on what that is, and a symbol that you can look for if you are on the side of the fence that says, yeah, I want regulations and better regulations before I go buying any product that I don't know is not genetically modified. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We talked yesterday on the show about GMOs. Some people call them GMFs, genetically modified foods, but essentially genetically modified organisms. And it's not a new thing, but the word polarizing certainly came up yesterday, and it will probably come up again now, where you're on one side or the other. I like this idea. I don't like this idea. Well, non-GMO project was put together in the United States, but kind of ranges through Canada as well. And it looks to identify products, foods, that are not genetically modified, so that if you are on the side of the fence that says, yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable with anything that has been toyed with a little bit, then you know that that product hasn't been. Kristen Wheeler is with the Non-GMO Project and joins us to outline what this is all about. Kristen, how are you?
3: I'm good. How about yourself, Mike?
2: Not too bad. We're trying to learn more about GMOs. And if we talk about the non-GMO project and and what you cover off, what you work at, what exactly could you tell us about the non-GMO project?
3: Yeah, I think first and foremost, we don't want to assume people know what it actually stands for. So GMO stands for Genetically Modified Organism. And the non-GMO project works throughout the United States and Canada. We've been around since 2007, um, really as a way because consumers have been demanding for decades now that they want to know what's in their food, which we think is totally fair. You go to the grocery store, you want to know what you're not only purchasing, but what you're bringing home to feed your families. And so we specifically focus on making sure that if you want to avoid eating GMOs, you can do so by looking for the Non-GMO Project verification.
2: Okay, excellent. And and that is a tag that has a butterfly and a almost it almost looks like a green check mark. Is it a green check mark or is it is it kind of a a, a butterfly landing on a nice plant?
3: You are spot on. So it is a butterfly mimicking that check mark to prove that. Yep, check. No GMOs here. Um, but really it also obviously mimics a blade of grass. Uh, Yeah, the butterfly is very ubiquitous. Even the United States alone, um, over half the population is looking for the butterfly when they go to shop. um, on over 54,000 different products throughout the United States and Canada. So it's on a lot of places, so you can tell that there's a big demand for it.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Okay, now, yesterday we talked a little bit on the show about GMOs and some of the things that do happen and some of the things that kind of could be better and the fact that it's a very polarizing topic. When you get feedback on GMOs from people, what are you hearing
3: Yeah. So we certainly hear a little bit of everything. And it is a really interesting topic that it has been very polarizing. And I think one of the reasons it has been so polarizing is that in particular in the United States and Canada, we've been living without regulations on GMOs since GMOs hit the marketplace, which was in the mid-90s. And so there's 64 other countries right now, including all of the European Union, that get regulations, which means that consumers don't really have to think too much about it. They know that their government is looking out for them. Well, that's not the case in the United States and Canada, and so we've really stepped up to show that consumers can avoid GMOs if they want to. And so I think that regulation piece is a big part of it. We really are working to educate consumers, working with brands who want to really show that transparency to their consumers so that you are educated, you can make the informed choice yourself to decide whether or not you want to consume GMOs.
2: We're talking with Christian Wheeler, who is part of the Non GMO Project. And again, look for that little sticker on foods in the US and in Canada, Non GMO Project. And it's a butterfly landing on a blade of grass. And it also looks like a check mark, it's very easy to find. So, how would a, a, a company or how would a food provider go about getting that particular logo on their product?
3: Yeah, so we have right now thousands of brands that work with us to get their products verified, as we call it. So we are a third-party, mission-based organization, which means that we want to be really independent. We obviously don't want to have any bias on who gets the butterfly, who doesn't get the butterfly, so we work with a lot of technical scientific experts to set that standard, and it's a very high, rigorous standard to meet. There's a lot of testing involved to prove that your product is non-GMO project verified. So brands will come to us, and they say we're interested in letting our consumers know that they can choose our product to avoid GMOs.
2: Uh, so it isn't like someone emails you the ingredients and says, yeah, there you go, <laughs> here you go, there's a lot more no, to it than that.
3: There are dozens of pages of documents behind the scenes. There's testing that's going on in laboratories. You're working with a third party to make sure that, like you said, those ingredients are non-GMO at the very source. And that everything that's going in to make up one of your favorite snack foods, as an example, is really proven to be non-GMO. So there's a lot of work that goes on in the background. And we are really proud of the amount of brands that have stepped up and really done the hard work. Um, and I think that they're obviously reaping a lot of the benefits of it too. It's an over $26 billion industry, the non-GMO food market right now. So people are really looking for this, and brands are continually stepping up to show that to consumers.
2: That's wild, $26 billion.
3: And that's probably a pretty big lowball number right there. We expect that it's actually significantly higher than that. And I think that that just really shows, especially with new generation stepping up, is we get so much transparency now with the access to the Internet. You would think we would get that when we go to the grocery store as well. Um, I certainly, shopping for my family, walking up and down the aisles, I don't want to spend a lot of time reading every single thing, looking stuff up online, trying to distinguish what's what. So we've made it so much easier for consumers, and these brands have really helped that by stepping up and saying, we'll go through the hard work on our end. And then a consumer can walk down the aisles and feel really confident about what they're bringing home to feed their families.
2: Yeah, grocery shopping never used to be this complicated, where first of all, you have to price compare. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) you have to look at the ingredient label to make sure it's healthy. And then you're also looking to make sure it is what you want to be putting into your body. We we look at at the fact that regulations could be changed, could be improved. Do you ever hear from government agencies who talk to you about what you're doing?
3: Oh, certainly, yeah. So we work close and, uh, in close collaboration, especially here in the United States with the USDA. And so just like in the United States and Canada, Canada, 90% of Canadians have said we want labeling for GMOs. We want to know what we're getting when we're purchasing food products. Um, and that's a similar number in the United States. Uh, the United States has recently delivered on a new regulation that's going to be um, mandatory compliant in 2022. So we've got a couple of years till then. Um, But still, unfortunately, in Canada, uh, the government has not stepped up and provided that national regulation. Um, So it's still really, really important for folks to be doing a lot of that education and doing some of that research so they know what they're getting. Um, But rest assured, the non-GMO project will always be around. So folks can always, as we say, look for the butterflies so they know what they're getting.
2: All right. If somebody wanted to go and see a little bit more, is there a website we could visit?
3: Certainly. So we recommend that consumers visit us at livingnongmo.org. There's a lot of great information. We also have an entire product list. So if you want to check if your favorite snack food is non-GMO, you can check. If you're interested in, like, how do I figure out exactly what vitamins and supplements are avoiding GMOs, you can search for that in our product list as well.
2: Kristen, thank you so much for the time, and thank you for outlining how all of this works.
3: Sure. Thanks so much, Mike.
2: Kristen Wheeler from the Non GMO Project. So look for the butterfly on a little green check mark or blades of grass. And that leaves you on that side of the fence if you want to stay clear of anything that has been genetically modified. It's. It's something that is here. It's something that you can easily argue is necessary. It has so much potential, but at the same time, that regulation factor comes in. Why haven't we been more stringent in Canada and the United States to bring about regulations? I think that's a question for a future show on London Live. Coming up, we've got news with Jacqueline LaBelle, and then we're going to talk with Colleen Keel about her appearance on Wheel of Fortune. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Here's something unsettling. Um, I'm hoping that this is just central to one particular location. The Washington Post has an article today and it's looking at severe weather. And it's looking at when severe weather is coming telling people, hey, got some severe weather. Might want to batten down the hatches. And it has found that People don't necessarily know where their hatches are. I mean, I'm, I'm looking down. at they in my pocket? I my, are, did I forget my hatches at home again? No. Batten down the hatches people don't know where they are on a map so when they're shown a map of an area they have no idea that that means this blob of storm that could produce a tornado or other violent weather is coming toward them because they just look at the map and they go bah, i don't that's got to be central just to just one area doesn't it james span is the chief meteorologist for an abc affiliate in birmingham And he had a fireside chat on social media on Sunday addressing this. And that's where this story kind of stems from. And he said, this is his quote. Listen, we don't expect people to be geographers or radar meteorologists. There are a lot of things I'm not good at. But during severe weather, what do we use? Maps. We have learned a large percentage of people in our state. And he happens to be in, and you're going to want to hear this, Alabama. There are stereotypes. Large number of people in their state have no idea how to find themselves on a map. That's That's got to be just central to certain locations, right? We know where we are on a map. You would recognize London, Ontario. You could position that where it is in the province of Ontario, country of Canada on the planet Earth. Yeah. I mean, we get spoiled sometimes because you just punch things into a GPS and you no longer even have to know the makeup of a city. I mean... Some cities are so difficult to navigate because they're not grids. We're very fortunate. London's easy to get around. London's a grid. You know, if you tell somebody, okay, you got Highway 4, which is Colonel Talbot Road, and that kind of runs up the extreme left side. And then, you know, if you drive east, you're going to go Wonderland. Warncliffe gets a little funky toward the south, but don't worry about that. It, it actually provides a shortcut sometimes. You'll learn that. Then Wellington, then Adelaide, then Highbury, and then Veterans Memorial Parkway. And you've got west to east. Same sort of thing north to south. You can find those spots. London's easy to navigate. Do we, do we not take enough time looking at maps? I don't know. I like maps. I like knowing how to get around things. And I always, if I move to a different city, then you'll learn that city. Not being able to identify severe weather coming? Come on. Somebody's got to do a better job there. Let's take a break. Up next, we are going to talk with someone who has an ability to identify probably severe weather when it's coming. I have no doubt in my mind. But she can also look at word puzzles and boom, they pop into her head. She is from London currently living in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and because of that, she was able to try out for Wheel of Fortune. And Colleen Keel not only made it to Wheel of Fortune, appeared on Wheel of Fortune last night, and is bringing home over $17,000 in winnings. We'll talk with Colleen Keel next on London Live. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Wheel of Fortune has been around so long, I... If Pat and Vanna had not been a part of it for as long as they have the whole time, right? Nobody ever hosted this outside of Pat Sajak and Vanna White, did they? I don't know Wheel of Fortune history. We don't need to know Wheel of Fortune history. We need to know Wheel of Fortune present. Although I do like history with Wheel of Fortune. Remember when you used to be able to select all the things? You'd win your money and then you'd have the revolving turnstile and it would be full of fabulous prizes. And you could select what you wanted. That was the best. But maybe not really, because it would prevent you from bringing home incredible amounts of cash. Should you be good enough to win some of those incredible amounts of cash? Our very next guest is someone we spoke with last week. Because she informed us about making it to Wheel of Fortune. About a 601 million chance. So you're saying there's a chance. And there was. And she got not, not the call, I'd want a call. She got a letter in the mail that said, You are in. And last night she was on and came home a big winner, and also put London on the map at the same time. Please welcome Londoner who now lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Colleen Keel, back to London Live. Colleen, we can say congratulations now, so congratulations. What? Thank you so much, Mike. You were phenomenal in being able to solve as many puzzles as you did. The wheel. Oh, the wheel. Have you had dreams about the wheel since playing the game?
4: Oh, yes, I have. The Wheel of Torture, as quoted by <laughs> Pat Sajak last night.
2: <laughs> the Wheel of Torture. That could actually be an offshoot or maybe a spinoff from Wheel of Fortune someday. I, I would watch that show.
4: I feel like it has potential, Absolutely. <laughs>
2: So let's talk about the day that was your time on Wheel of Fortune. We've talked to you, and and you can go back on our podcast last week. You can find it at 980cfpl.ca, and you can find Colleen talking about what it took to get to Wheel of Fortune, basically a $601 chance, and finishing off a final puzzle and thinking that wouldn't be good enough, but it was. And now you were able to walk onto that set in California. What was that day like for you, even waking up?
4: It was surreal. It started off so early in the morning. We were all together. We had 18 contestants there, um, and it was busy right from, you know, 7 a.m. until I finished taping my show, which was about around noon. So five hours of, you know, prepping, spitting the wheel, practice solving, you know, puzzles on stage, being surrounded by all the lights and the camera and the people and everybody, you know, what it takes to get this show going.
2: So, you do practices before the actual game? I, di- I didn't expect that.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think any of us did, actually. But, I mean, when you get up there, it's there's the puzzle board. But then there's also a scoreboard. There's also the letter board that you have to, you know, kind of keep an eye on so you don't call a letter that has been previously called before.
2: Wow. Okay. So, yeah. how was practice going for you that morning?
4: Um. It was- I mean, I felt I did really, really good. The only thing that I felt I tripped up on was the wheel was so heavy. It just took forever to get that grip And um, because it's 2,400 pounds. Is it really? And it's crazy. Yes, it's 2,400 pounds. It's heavy.
2: Wow. And I guess when you think about people spinning it, you do see that kind of strain on their face a little. You do have to strain. Yeah,
4: Yeah, you reach over the next person to get like a good little mm, pull on the wheel. Yep.
2: <laughs> okay, so you do your practice sessions. Then, do they put you in a green room with nice refreshments and things?
4: Well, we we did we did have that kind of earlier on, but once the first taping of the show goes, everybody is out. Um, In the audience, so we have kind of our own kind of area that we're in. Then there's people that actually buy tickets to come to the show. Or not buy tickets, sorry. They get tickets to come to the show. And then all of our family and friends are at the far end of the audience where there's zero communication allowed to happen. And we watch the shows and then when it's your turn to go up, you get on down, get you know freshened up again, and get ready to get on the Wheel of Fortune stage.
2: How great is that? That your family and friends are there, but they have to make sure they can't be buy an O. Think of letter O, and oh, they can't yeah. be doing oh, that. There's
4: no, there are there's security. There's like <laughs> eye watchers in the sky. This is like, yeah, it's legit for sure. They want to make sure that it's it's wonder hundred percent.
2: That's real. right. Yeah. London Zone, Colleen Kale joining us last night on Wheel of Fortune, a big winner of thousands of dollars. And we'll get to that in just a little bit, but we have to thank you for the London shout out. Did you have to ask whether you'd be able to do that or did you just throw that in?
4: In I didn't know so Pat gets like a little those little cards a Pat Chat card we list about you know five six seven things on there and he chooses what he wants to ask you so you just have to follow his lead and I had an opportunity when he said you know whereabouts in Canada are you from so I I pulled out the London card
2: very nice that's amazing so did he at any point before you you got to this you know not know where London was or did he look at Canada kind of funny or anything like that
4: no not at all no not not at that point no
2: okay well then the game itself begins so take us through the start of the game is your heart going in your chest
4: yes it was honestly it was like okay so he starts and then the first thing is a toss-up puzzle and if you look when you watch it which you did you can see that everybody has this like blank stare on their face because it's like okay we got to play the game now Um, I got the second puzzle right, though, the second toss-up for $2,000, which was kind of crazy, and I was like, okay, I'm not nervous anymore, I'm good.
2: And did it just pop into your head, because you're someone who is very good with words, very good with letters, you talked about, you know, practicing hangman and downloading the app, and you're able to look at something and and the words can come. Did that just instantly pop into your mind?
4: It did. I knew every single puzzle. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I did. Every single puzzle. And like I said before, I, was, I don't remember anything really that happened. So when I was watching it at our watch party last night, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. But it was the wheel of torture got me. <laughs>
2: well, anyone who did watch the show did see you spin and that, that black space, that bankrupt space. It, when you're watching the wheel go round and round, does your eye go to the bankrupt space?
4: Well, you cross your fingers, right, and hope that it doesn't land in your space, but uh, it did. And I think the biggest, like, boo that we got was that I had, I had pulled up the $10,000 wedge. I hit a 3500 so I was up 13500 and then I got a bankrupt.
2: <laughs> now, you laugh about that now. What was it like at the time?
4: Exactly how I am right now. It's just entertainment, right?
2: And I guess that's the attitude that you have to take into this, right? You can't go yes. in saying, I'm going to win this, and I'm going to win the $45,000, and I'm going to this, and I have it all planned out in my head. You're making entertainment.
4: Absolutely. It was a great time, and everybody had a fun time.
2: We're talking with London's own Colleen Keel, putting London on the map on Wheel of Fortune last night, winner of over $17,000. So again, congratulations on that, and the last puzzle's on fire
4: it, <laughs> thank you. That was it. I was I it just all of a sudden my it clicked. I was like, oh my gosh, and I had I didn't really even know what my final amount was. And then when Pat came over and said, you would think that colin would be the big winner, so I had seventeen thousand dollars cash, which is twenty two thousand Canadian.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so how does that work then? What do you do after you you have seventeen thousand dollars in winnings?
4: What happens? Now we just sit and wait for it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, is there a big tax on it? Do you know, have you talked to an accountant about what takes
4: place? Yeah, so we do, um, you get taxed through your California tax first, right, which is 7%, and then I'm from Michigan, so once I get, you know, the money gets back here, um, we pay a Michigan tax, but then you can petition to get the California tax back.
2: Okay, that's all right.
4: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so I mean, you a little be- bit of, you know, ins and outs and stuff.
2: So any idea what you're going to spend this on? This is like winning a lottery, but you earned it.
4: That's right. So I'm a bit of a vacation girl, so I think one of the islands is calling me down south.
2: Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, that sounds absolutely. nice. Well, yep. congratulations on what you were able to do. Any tips for anybody? You've probably given the best tip already, and that's, hey, treat this like entertainment.
4: Yeah, so I just found out today that the Wheelmobile is actually really close to Canada. It is going to be in Detroit on May the 18th and 19th. Hmm. So if anybody has any family and friends that are close on this side of the state, get over to Detroit on the 18th and 19th and try out for the wheelmobile.
2: Okay. And that involves going in and doing the puzzles and hoping that you do well enough to get a letter in the mail. Was that the letter was the first thing?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's a two day event there.
2: Fantastic. Well, hey, trip to California. How long did you get to stay in California?
4: We did the weekend and did the whirlwind tour. We did, got a, caught a Lakers game, caught a um, a Kings game, went to Santa Monica. It was whirlwind. <laughs> That's
2: amazing. <laughs> and you come home with winnings, and had it not been for a, a very fine performance among one of your contestants, who knows? You may have been there for that final puzzle, but Colleen, you Absolutely. did us proud. You did us proud. Yay. Thank you so much for that. Can you ever go on again? Is, is there like a, a tournament of almost champions or anything like that?
4: I like that. But no, it's a one in a lifetime chance to peel on Wheel of Fortune.
2: Hey, well, you come away with over $17,000 in winning. Did you ever watch Wheel of Fortune when, when you had to spend the money that you earned each round? I, I wish they would bring that
4: back. Who didn't want the Dalmatian? Exactly. Exactly.
2: Right? <laughs> $50 at the end on a gift certificate to, I forget what the gift certificate was for, but oh, yeah. Oh,
4: I forget too. It was kind of like um, consumers that we used to have. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. That was
4: kinda like yeah.
2: Although, you so know funny. I guess you couldn't bring home the Dalmatian and an end table and a stereo system. The grandfather clock the grandfather <laughs> clock. You couldn't come home with all that and still go down south.
4: Right. That is a true story.
2: So I think I think your way of doing things will work out much, much better. Well, enjoy the sun, enjoy the sand. Thank you for again putting London on the map as you did. And Colleen, thank you for spending so much time with us.
4: Thanks again, Mike, for following me in my little journey and experience. I appreciate it.
2: Next time you're on any game show, you give us a call, because I have a feeling you have an ability here. Do they still have the one with the the no whammies? Is that still going? Can you? I don't know. I don't think that one's going anymore.
4: I don't think it is either, but I'll keep you posted.
2: Press your luck. I'm going to look that up right now. Peggs. Oh, that's
4: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Mike, so very much. Bye-bye. Take care.
2: That is Colleen Keel, Londoner who appeared on Wheel of Fortune. And if you did miss it last night, if you missed Colleen's shout out, then let's just take you back to what she said about London, Ontario. Uh, <laughs> Colleen Keel, right? Correct. From Grand Rapids, Michigan, by way of uh,
1: Canada, right?
4: Yeah. We're in Canada, even. I'm a newcomer from London, Ontario. So hi okay. to my family and friends out there. There you go. Uh, you are married? I am. I'm newly married to my adventure partner in life, John.
5: Okay. And uh, tell us about, uh, you work, right?
4: I do. I'm in the hospitality industry right now. I work at the awesome Italian restaurant, but I've been in the business for 35 years, which means I just know how to host a really good party. Okay. (laughs) Well, it looks like you're enjoying life. I am. That's a good deal.
2: That is Colleen Keel. So, doing London proud. On Wheel of Fortune, coming home with $17,000, which beats having to buy the grandfather clock. We'll check in on... Press your luck. Also coming up, we're going to talk with a man who planned to open a big cat sanctuary in Grand Bend until council stood up and said, just a minute here. And now has put a ban in place. And so what does that mean for Mark Drysdale? He will be coming to our studio to fill us in on his point of view in this entire situation. Should be a very interesting conversation. And also still to come, we are going to learn about drive to play ball. We're going to find out about something that's been happening in London for 25 years now that's been really impacting lives in this city. And now it's taking another step 25 years later, getting even better. Drive to play ball. That's still ahead on London Live as well. Next up, Jacqueline LaBelle will have news. We'll fill you in on a few other things we're up to in a moment. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. I knew this email was coming. The first one has arrived. It hurts me to read it just thinking about how much it's going to hurt. Period. Period. Eugene has sent in to Mike at 980cfpl.ca, hey, when does that unfortunate wager event take place? Yikes. Mike suggested that I be tied to the net should the Knights lose to Guelph like Goldberg and the Mighty Ducks and have somebody fire pucks at me. I think the number was 10. Yeah, I'll make sure and video it. I don't know when it will be, but we'll get it set up. News is next. This is Global News Radio, 980cfpl. Monday, there was a vote and a decision was made by Lampton County that there would be a ban on keeping, possessing, harboring animals like lions, tigers, elephants, kangaroos, and crocodiles. In other words, exotic animals. And this decision was made because there had been plans to create Roaring Cat Retreat, if you have been around Grand Bend, you have to go way, way back. You have to go back about 30 years ago, but they did have the, the Pine Ridge Zoo, which was south of Grand Bend, and there were animals kept there at one point, but again, we're going way, way back. Well, apparently, that was where Roaring Cat Retreat was intended to go, and then we had a decision made by Lanthan Shore's counselors for a ban on owning, keeping... Again, all of those different words, possessing, harboring, exotic animals. And there were concerns expressed. Uh, They had said there is no zoning for a zoo on that property. It is residential. So going forward, any change in that would have to comply with the residential zoning or have a zone amendment done on the property. Those are the actual words of Lambton County Mayor Bill Weber. And he talked with 980 CFPL about that. We want to get as much of this story as we can and we have an opportunity right now to hear the other side of things from the individual who had planned to open either a big cat sanctuary or what was called a roaring cat retreat please welcome to london live two people the first mark drysdale and the second, Tammy Nisonen, Mark, great to have you with us on the show. And Tammy, thank you for joining us as well. How's the afternoon going?
1: Oh, well, you yeah. know, we're, we're excited to get out of bed every day. Every day you wake up is a, is a good day, as they say. So we're happy to be here with you, Mike. But uh, if I can, I'd like to just correct you on one thing. Uh, the Pine Ridge Zoo closed down about 12 years ago. Oh, was
2: it 12 years ago? Okay, I was yeah. taking this way back in time.
1: No, no, the there were lions, tigers, cougars, you name it here. We have all the brochures. So yeah, there was there was everything here and uh some good old sturdy, three, four foot fences holding the lions and tigers in and that was when the neighborhood went in. It has been over the last thirty years. So the uh the lions and tigers were here and uh, they decided to build uh to build a small community around the zoo.
2: Okay. Now did you have any involvement in that particular operation?
1: No, we have no affiliation whatsoever with the family. All we did was we bought this property off of the uh, the original family.
2: Okay, and is that where you are right now? Is that where we're speaking to you
1: from? Yep, we're down here in sunny Grand Bend. Okay,
2: sunny Grand, I love sunny Grand Bend. Everybody loves <laughs> Grand Bend. So let's talk, Mark, about what you had hoped to do. Lay this out for us, please. Well,
1: it's not so much what we had hoped to do. It's what we uh, still plan on doing. Um, we have approximately 12 cats that we use uh, in movies and, you know, they're actors. They're used in commercials, they're used in movies, they're used in uh, various uh events like that. You know, we don't do birthday parties, we don't do, uh, you know child gatherings or anything. These are these are movie animals. So if you've seen a tiger or a lion in a movie, you've probably seen my tigers or lions. They're the ones that do the movies. So that is what Tammy and I do. So what we kind of had the idea of doing was opening up an area for uh, education purposes so that we could have the public come in, we could have schools come in and uh, learn a little bit about tigers and lions that have been held in captivity for the last couple hundred years in Canada and the States. And also learn about the ones in the wild and the, uh, you know, the challenges they face as well.
2: When you say cats, I mean, a a lot of people will think, yeah, I I got a cat, about nine pounds, a tabby, uh, likes milk. Uh, When you're talking about cats, please describe your cats for us.
1: Well, one thing that's kind of interesting, Mike, is uh, original cats that are sitting on the couch while people are listening to this and they're petting them. They originally came from Egypt and they were considered wild cats, too. So uh, time does not change domestication. Um, the kind of capsule that we're talking about is anything from a cougar, a lynx, up to a lion and tiger. We own approximately 12 of them. And do you have them with you on the property now? Uh, they come and go. Like I said, they're constantly in movies. We shipped one out this morning, actually, that was going off to a photo shoot for a, uh, for a music video.
2: Now, a lynx and a a tiger or a cougar, they're very different in size. How many of the big, big ones do you have?
1: Uh, we have eight or nine, I believe.
2: Okay. And again, I could do
1: an exact count in my head. Believe me, I know these things inside. No, but yeah, I think there's nine of them, um, a cougar and two, two Eurasian lynxes.
2: We're talking with Mark Drysdale and Tammy Nisonen is with us and they are talking from... Sunny south of Grand Bend, where the hope was, or as Mark just outlined, the plan still is to have something like a Roaring Cat Retreat. And as Mark has spelled out, this was a place that could be used for educational purposes, for tours, for school kids to come through, and it would be to look at exotic pets. Now, do you refer to them as exotic pets?
1: Uh, no, if you look up the uh, definition of an domesticated animal, it's any animal. This is the legal black book um, uh, definition of a domesticated animal: is any animal that is bred within uh, human care and relies on human care to survive or works. So that's how they get the horses and donkeys into that uh, as well.
2: Okay. Can I ask you, how do you feed these things when they're with you? I mean, I can't even imagine what a, a lion, a tiger, a cougar, any of these big cats, and you say at times, you know, you, you have as many as eight or nine coming through. How do you how do you deal
1: with that? What what we mainly deal with is uh, chicken suppliers that can that can give us stuff that is not fit for human consumption. So any animals that have broken legs. Um, Now, when I say animals, I mean chickens, turkeys, that kind of thing. Cats really rely on birds. They need the taurine to be able to um, dissolve and use certain minerals. So taurine's the number one. So we try to keep the diet heavy uh, towards chickens, like I was saying, uh, turkeys, and then we do mix in beef and pork as well.
2: And then, Mark, at, at any given time, how many animals would you, you say they come and go a little bit, but generally how many would you have with you on your property?
1: Um, it, that it really depends. It's, it's just how busy things are across Canada. Like I said, we have two tigers right now that are in BC. So, um, and they just went out on, uh, I don't know when that was, uh, Monday, late Monday. They came and picked those ones up as well. So they're constantly coming and going. So the situation that we had built up here and set up was that we'd have the outdoor enclosures, 75 by 100, which is double CASA standards. Um, from their enclosure, they have to go through a secondary door set up so that they can't sneak by. Then they go into a walkway. Then they go into a building where they get loaded into the vehicle to come or go.
2: Okay. And how many do you have right now? Uh, right now there's three. Okay. And they're, they're big guys?
1: Yep. They're large. They're, uh, two-year-olds and a six-year-old And they're lions. Yeah.
2: Okay. Is it is it okay to sleep at night? I mean, uh, Tammy, how do you feel about sleeping at night with uh, with lions around? it? Does it just become natural after a while?
3: Oh yeah, they're they're so tame. They you know you go in there and they just roll over and they want belly rubs and uh, they're <laughs> they're just like a dog. It's it's quite incredible. My kids go in with them. It's uh, you know they're they're super tame. Okay, Mark, I have, well, I have no fear at all.
2: Well, that 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 is good to know, Mark. Oh, let's. For sure. Talk about what the plan then is. Roaring Cat Retreat. You've outlined what that was intended to be. Now you've you've run into an animal ban that has been put in place by Lambton Shores councilors. Tell us where this situation was up until hearing that.
1: Well, I, we found out on uh, Saturday afternoon. Council: three of the council, two or three of the council members, got together and had a secret meeting that we weren't invited to. Um, that involved the entire um, area that we live in. I think it's called the Van Dugan neighborhood or, or whatever it's called. So everyone was invited. It was considered secret that we weren't allowed to go. And the main concern about the uh, meeting was safety. So apparently they didn't need to any of our input to make their decisions. Um, somehow someone decided that we hadn't closed on the house yet um, and if they were able to ram through a animal bylaw early Monday morning, they would be able to stop us from getting grandfathering rights. Um, they've been misinformed in that. Our lawyers told us uh, we had a lease on the property. That is of no concern to us, whatsoever the grandfathering clauses of bylaws still stand.
6: Okay. So, so. How,
1: how we'll go forward is as we were going to go forward. We're still working away. We're working today. And we're just going to let the lawyers take care. of it. we have money set aside for lawyers. And uh, unfortunately, that'll get used up. And uh, it's really sad that it can't go towards the animals. But this is, I guess, the way they want it to be.
2: But you've said there, there's a grandfathering clause that would allow you to go ahead with this, even though legislation was enacted earlier this week.
1: Well, you got to remember there's laws. There's provincial laws, there's uh, federal laws that, that protect people uh, uh, for this type of thing. If all of a sudden the councillors of Lambton Shore decide that they don't like women with uh, long black hair and pointy chins, you know, it kind of stops people from being able to get the stakes and burn them, um, which does really remind me of the 1700s with the uh, witch hunts. That's a lot like what this feels like, to be honest with you, Mike. Like, it's a very concerning way of going about it. But as I was saying, there are laws... And you cannot enact bylaws like this. When we told our lawyer what what they did, they were just beside themselves that they think that this is going to be a a at all sturdy or stable bylaw that they have tried to put in place.
2: Mark Drysdale with us. Tammy Nisonan with us. Their aim is to open... Roaring Cat Retreat, it would be on the location. They purchased the property of the old Pine Ridge Zoo, south of Grand Bend, which was in operation, as Mark has said, as recently as 12 years ago. There has been some opposition from Lampton Shores Council where they moved to ban the ownership of exotic animals, and it spelled out as you cannot own, possess, harbor, or keep animals like lions, tigers, elephants, kangaroos, and crocodiles. Uh, Mark, you mentioned you were not invited to a particular meeting on the weekend. How much communication have you had with the council itself?
1: Well, we went in and had a meeting with, um, I forget his name. I believe Tammy knows his name. He was the senior planner um, with Lampton Shores. So his name, Tammy? Will,
3: will my Winning.
1: Yeah, so we went in, that was two months ago, we had a meeting with him, uh, Tammy and I, and we were ensured that there would be no problems at all coming and doing this, that we would be considered uh, legal, non-conforming, and uh, just go ahead, you know, try to keep some of the buildings that still stand there, don't tear them down completely, try to do them as renovations, no problem, move on in. And
2: then Hugh, had you told him that you would be having these types of animals on site at that point?
1: Yes, absolutely. And we have witnesses to that effect too. My real estate agent was actually with me at the time.
2: Okay. And so that seemed to be progressing. And then was it just this past weekend that you learned that, wait a minute, there might be some opposition?
1: Yeah. And the funny thing is, is we've been back to uh, to see city council twice and asked to speak with Will. And um, actually yesterday we were denied access to him. We were told we were not allowed to see Um, will in any aspect, uh, which is very surprising to keep a a civil servant away from its its people who pay their their wages. That's a very odd request. And our lawyer's kind of interested in that request as well.
2: Mark, have you had anyone stop by to examine the property in any way to see now that legislation is coming that says, hey, you, you cannot harbor or keep animals and you may have some on your property? In fact, you said you do have some there right now. Have you had anybody stopping by asking to see the property?
1: No, more what we get is uh, people looking for witches, driving by, stopping, getting, getting out of their cars, calling us names, giving us a finger. You know, standard um, welcome to the neighborhood type of behavior.
2: How long have you owned this particular property?
1: Uh, we took possession of it on the 1st of April, and everything closed on April 15th. So that was the loophole they were looking for and ramming this, uh, this bylaw through. They thought if they could do it early enough on the 15th. Um, they would be able to stop us. But like our lawyer said, it's whoever's the custodian of the property, whoever's living on it, uh, the grandfathering clauses go with. It, Mike, it's a lot like when they put in a lot of the gun laws. Anybody that owned a machine gun up until the date that they prohibited machine guns, we're still allowed to keep them. Um, it's no different with any any other uh, grandfathering clause.
2: So in this instance, if you have somebody still trying to enforce this legislation, you mentioned it's going to go to the courts, do you have any concern for your animals if somebody stops by and says, hey, you have to move these, or you get notification that until everything takes effect in court and plays itself out, that, that you may have to find new homes for your animals? No, not
1: at all. We're not concerned about that at all. Like I said, we're handing it over to the uh, lawyers, they will take care of it, and uh you know, if someone comes comes on the property and, and tries to do something that's illegal, we will treat it as an illegal entry and uh, go from there. Luckily, Mike, there's still laws against this stuff, and, and that's good for you and it's good for me. Something else I wanted to point out is I actually helped to put together um, exotic by exotic animal bylaws in other uh, municipalities. For instance, Wayne Fleet, I helped them put together a very comprehensive um, bylaw against having... Um, exotic animals within city limits, within township limits, stuff like that. So this isn't something that I'm against. I'm just against them using a a piece of leg- legislature to, to go in the back door like this and try to accomplish something in such a clearly uh, malice way.
2: Are there any other... I guess, types of locations that would that would be a lot like what you were hoping to create or what, our, what you are hoping to create with Roaring Cat Retreat that, that you could talk to and find out how things are working out for them, how they have been able to get through, whether it be bylaws or other legislation in their area?
1: We have people gathering information. They've been working on it since last Thursday. And I forget what the last number was, but I believe it's close to 25 or 30 zoos um, across Canada that reside within residential areas, including the Edmonton Zoo, which is right in the middle of a neighbourhood. So, you know, the, you you can't go by that. If you could see the property here, uh, Mike, you'd see that there really is no concern. We own 22 acres of an area that's maybe a 150-acre a area. So... You know, we're almost own a quarter of this neighbourhood and they're, you know, I think they're just used to using it as their own little private uh, bush and, you know, look out your back door and all they see is bush. And actually we bought 12 acres just for that purpose, to make sure that the neighbours wouldn't see the actual operation. We would leave that in there as a buffer and uh, we bought it up from under a Toronto developer that was trying to put in low-income low housing. I believe he wanted 62 um, semi-detached homes to go in this property, which we would have been, you know, you'd be talking to somebody else today and uh, hearing the exact same complaints from the same people.
2: Mark Drysdale, Tammy Nisonan joining us. Mark, just a couple of things, I think, if if we could help to paint the picture. You, you have these 22 acres. Have you had to make reparations to any of the fencing or any any containment units? Do you have containment units?
1: Yeah, well, like I said, right now the cats, I'm trying to keep them out and working as much as I possibly can. That is what they like doing. When they see the van show up, they get all excited. They hope that it's them that day that gets to go do something. So, like I said, right now, I'm just trying to keep the numbers of coming and going um, down as low as I can. You know, if, if they're only need them for a couple of days, I've been asking them to keep them for the week, um, because everybody that we deal with has very good, um, uh, setups for holding the animals as well. So, we're just calling on a lot of the industries, uh, um, you know, workers to try to help us out and try to keep the numbers down here until we can get the rest of the enclosures up. But right now they're in an indoor enclosure that's uh, 75 by 40. They got more than enough room to, to run and play. And uh, I go in with them every day and spend three or four hours um, interacting with them to make sure that they have lots of stimulation.
2: All right. Well, Mark, we really appreciate your time and all of your answers today. And it's a story that we'll no doubt be following as it plays itself out.
1: I really appreciate the call, Mike. And, uh, you know, when we came here, we really felt that Grand Bend was an area that was for tourism and trying to get people into the area. And uh, we were a little surprised with the, uh, with the welcome we didn't receive.
2: Mark, Tammy, thank you again. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. That is okay, Tammy bye, Nisonen. Bye bye, Tammy Nisonen and Mark Drysdale. So their idea still is, as Mark was very clear at the beginning, because you know it looks like a roadblock. But as Mark says, their lawyers are telling them that there's a way to grandfather. And there would be a way to get around the legislation that was created and was passed earlier by Lambton Shores City Council. Uh, If you want to read the first part of this, please go to 980cfpl.ca or you can Google the headline, Big Cat Sanctuary Planned for Grand Bend Blocked by Lambton Shores. And you can find the first part of this, and that does include... Some information from Lambton, Lambton County Mayor Bill Weber, who talked with 980 CFPL about the other side of this. So that is Mark's side, and we'll see whether or not he is able to create the big cat sanctuary that he was hoping to create. We'll come back and let you know what's still ahead on London Live next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Well, that is an interesting situation. Should you be able to keep pets that are considered exotic pets? Can I even use those terms next to each other? Mark Drysdale would would say, I could, that they are exotic pets. There have been safety concerns expressed. Mark has said, no, there's no concerns with, with safety from his point of view. So this will play itself out in the courts I'm interested to see what happens as this progresses, because one of the most interesting things is Mark Drysdale and Tammy Nisonen took ownership of that property, as he said, on April the 15th. So that was two days ago. So they have not been in their location very long at all. So what happens now that they are there? Do they get visits? What happens from that? People are already paying them visits, and he says, not saying the nicest things in the world. This is a story we will continue to follow. I'm fascinated by what takes place in Lambton Shores. I hope you are, too. We'll take a break for news. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Okay, a big thank you to Jude, who said, could listeners of London Live... Offer to block shots when you are tied to the net like Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks? Sure, I don't know if you'd want to, but I appreciate that, thank you. And Ron says, uh, Press Your Luck is still on, it's called Whammy. And it's hosted by Snoop Dogg, who will be in London very soon. Uh, I like that. I got got to check that one out. I always liked that game show. Press your luck was always fun. No whammies. No whammies. Up next, we're going to talk about something called Drive to Play Ball. Stick with us. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Never on London Live have we done this before. We have never had four special guests in studio. It must be Wednesday. This is amazing. We have with us... Officer Chris Golder, we have Angela Serra and Tim Smuck, and we have Georgia Williams, and we have all kinds of things to talk about. It is baseball season. We're getting some unexpected sunshine. I don't know if it's happening in Woodstock. Woodstock, are you getting sunshine right now? You had those fog delays earlier today in Oxford County, so I'm not sure if you guys are getting sunshine. I hope you are, because sunshine, baseball, and you know what? Everybody should have the ability to take part in something like baseball. And the four individuals with us in studio here at King and Wellington in our Chorus Radio London studios are helping to make that happen with something called Drive to Play Ball. Georgia Williams, Angela Sarah, we have Tim Smuck, and we have London Police Officer Chris Golder. And Officer Golder, maybe we'll start with you. Drive to play ball Let's let's go right to the beginning here If you were asked to describe it And I think that's what I'm asking you to do What is drive to play
7: ball? Okay, so let me go way back And in uh, 1993 uh, London Police teamed up with Joe Cools And a few other sponsors And with London Housing And we put together a league of um, Four London Housing players Where uh, six complexes take part And there are four teams that are created and we have all volunteers to make this work. So all of our coaches are volunteers. Um, and we put on this league and we've done that for last year was our 25th season. So the drive to play ball is trying to make things better. Um, we in the past have had equipment that has been shared through every season. And this year, I'm trying to, or we're trying to, get equipment to give to the kids so they can have their own. So when they're not practicing at their practices or a game day, it's their equipment that they can look after and be responsible for and maybe play whenever they want to.
2: That is outstanding. Okay. Then that gives us a great place to start, and I guess if anybody's got old baseball equipment hanging around, maybe it's in the garage, maybe you've moved it downstairs, it's in one of those bins with shoes, everybody's got the old shoes and you put the bins in, maybe that's where we find things that are going to be available and can be used. I mean, imagine, we could get kids outside. (laughs) This is revolutionary. Away from social media. Away from social media. Away from gaming.
0: (laughs) They can Instagram their new shoes and their new gloves.
2: (laughs) I like this. I like this a lot. Okay, then let's talk about what is going to be happening because we can put a date on when we can grab all of the equipment and have it taken in. And that date is May the 4th. The location, where are we headed?
0: We're going to Labatt Park. So May the 4th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., We're headed to Labatt Park with the London Majors and a bunch of amazing sponsors. So Source for Sports is going to be there. Um, Baseball 463 is going to be there. And we just want everyone to come out and enjoy the afternoon in the sunshine, hopefully, and donate that equipment.
2: Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that we are looking for. And then we're going to talk with Georgia, who's got some great stories about things. Tim, what sorts of things are we looking to have in terms of
5: equipment? So, you know, in terms of equipment, we want uh, youth to be able to have all the basic needs that you would want to be able to play the great game of baseball. So that could be everything from the old bat to a good mitt. Um, to any other things that that you may have um, that you think our young people could use uh, to play the wonderful game of baseball. So even I'm thinking cleats, are cleats okay?
7: So I'm just going to jump in there a little bit. If we get equipment that we can't use, so our players don't use cleats, Uh, there's a great organization called Cleats for Kids Mm -hmm. that we would donate equipment and make sure that it gets uh, distributed among other organizations so that other people can use all this stuff.
2: So we could bring cleats. We could bring anything. Ass-
7: we will. We have. We're working with all kinds of other um, great partners to make sure that this equipment finds uh, someone that's going to be able to enjoy it and use it.
2: If we're looking at at sizes, would this be targeted to kids? Would it be kids and adults? Uh, I mean, I'm thinking I got a size nine and a half cleat at home that I think it's in that shoe bin. Uh, I'm gonna be bringing those that day. Is that okay? Those that's, sizes? That's
7: absolutely great. So we're looking uh, for kids aged uh, eight to twelve that play. But if it doesn't fit somebody or it doesn't work, then we're going to just pass that on and make sure somebody else is going to get some good use out of that.
2: We're talking about drive to play ball. And this is part of something that has been going on for 25 years now. But it's taking a different look this year in that the idea is to get kids who may not have access to gloves – to bats, to balls, to any of the equipment needed to play baseball. Get them their own equipment. And it's happening at Labatt Park, May the 4th, 10 till 2. There are some great sponsors involved in this. Colin Hopper and Source for Sports, thank you for helping out on this. Baseball Life 463. I love the name because it's a 463 double play, right? That's good. That's very good. And Georgia, you've been able to take part in not all of the 25 years. No. I don't think you yourself are 25. Um, I but am. You are. Okay. Well, just probably, right?
6: Yes. Okay. Thought
2: so. So you haven't been there for all the 25 years, but you've been able to take part in this. What has this been like?
6: So I started um, when I was a little bit younger, so about seven, a little bit earlier than the eight. Um, And my sister was actually part of the baseball league as well. My mom helped run it as a volunteer, so my family's been in the rookie league situation for a very long time. Um, Growing up, it was a great bonding experience between me, my other people in the complex, other complexes in general, and a great bonding experience between me and the officers there. So...
2: What... Did the rivalry become like between the complexes? Did, did things <laughs> things get a little heated sometimes? Was this something that when you went out, this was a day to win?
6: We got to be realistic. We're all competitive, <laughs> so we all want to win for our complex. Even so, the coaches, so, yeah, even the come coaches come <laughs> telling you to run faster, yep. hit that ball a little bit further. It was a great bonding experience between everyone, even though it's like that rivalry between like different complexes it's still a good time to go out and get those kids to bond with people that they wouldn't normally get along with.
2: And that's the whole thing. With your family helping to run this, what did you hear from kids playing this?
6: We all loved it. So we look forward to the summer because once school's done, we know it's rookie league season.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So would this be something that you did on a monthly basis? Uh, How often would Um, it happen? So
6: it was during the summer months, so July, August, those times. Um, and pretty much as soon as school would end, you would start getting your rookie league team together and learning how to practice when practice was and game days and situations like that.
2: You mentioned your relationship with the police officers who were involved in this. How profound an effect did that have on your life? Cause what are you doing right now?
6: I'm actually in police foundations. So, um, I had two female officers coaching my team and those were two women that I looked up to and I wanted to be like, and- now I'm on the path to becoming like them. They are great assets to my future. So,
2: And someday you may be in that position and you may be someone who is a mentor for somebody else. And the cycle continues. I love when the cycle can continue. <laughs> well, that's that's phenomenal. In terms of, of being able to to go out and, and take part in something like this, what do you think that did for you, being able to be
6: competitive like that? Um, it was a great experience because when you have kids that don't get to – release their energy elsewhere it's a great place to let them know okay this is a safe spot you can take it out on the ball (laughs) take it out on the bat not each other but (laughs) it's a great way to get that energy out and then like i said create that bond between each other and the police because that was a great stepping point especially for at-risk kids it's great to know like no the police are not against us we're with them as well
2: we are talking with Georgia Williams, Angela Sarah, Tim Smock, Officer Chris Golder is with us. We're talking about drive to play ball, which comes up May the fourth from ten to two at Labad Park. and Georgia has just outlined some of the benefits that you get from this. And the idea this year is to find equipment that maybe isn't being used that is still in good shape and is something that can be made use of by kids, not just when there are games, put together your own practices, get out on the sandlot like we used to. Those? Does anybody, you guys are all too young. All of you guys in here are too young to remember the old sandlot. That was a good place to play. <laughs> when we look at, at what exactly, again, the this is, is helping to do Tim. Can you, can you illustrate, you know, the, the involvement with London, Middlesex community housing and, and how that has been impacted?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think rookie ball has always spoken to our organization's mission to try to invest in our families and our relationship with the London police has been foundational for us. Um, you know, obviously working closely with them to show our young people that they can achieve anything that they want. And I think for us, a lot of us six like community housing that's a message that we want to keep pushing forward to all of our young people all of our families and all of our family sites and all the rest of our tenants to say You can do whatever it is that you want to do, and you can be successful. And so really what this relationship has been for 25 years now has been how can we show young people that you can be leaders in our community, that you can learn some valuable life skills through sport, learn a bit of positive competitiveness. uh, But at the end of the day, be proud of your neighborhood. We can certainly change in our community how we talk about young people who come from those areas. And those communities have something beautiful to offer. And every uh, July and August when we're out there and we're playing ball, it showcases that.
2: Well, we are setting up a brand new program with Drive to Play Ball 10-2 to 2, at Labatt Park on May the 4th. You can come by and donate. Officer Golder, if you look at, at you know the, the donation process, is there kind of a, a, a
7: guideline in terms of how you want things donated? You know what? Just bring it down and we'll sort it out. Um, one thing that we that we haven't mentioned yet is that uh, the Source for Sports and um, Baseball 463 is going to bring some of their awesome equipment out there. So we know there's a lot of great baseball leagues and players in the city that are fortunate enough to have really great equipment that get new equipment every year. Um, they are going to bring this year's latest and greatest bats and gloves and equipment and uniforms and all kinds of other stuff so that the players that have stuff that are going to be able to donate things can Try these new things out. People are going to be able to play on the field at Labat Park. Come
2: on. So on bring that day. So there out all
7: that awesome mm-hmm. stuff, and you get to try the latest and greatest bat and glove on the field and uh, do something great and get a little bit of benefit on in return as well. Let's talk, just to outline and, and paint a picture, Angela, last year. You know,
2: this is an event that's been going on for 25 years. Just give us a description of what last year was all about.
0: So, last year was major. It was our 25th anniversary. So, that's 25 years of rookie league baseball. And these kids came out and they wanted to defend all of the titles. So, just to give kind of a bit of a background, the Limberwind team is notorious for crushing all of the other teams. And was last that Georgia's year, team? No. Okay, just checking. No. They kind of took over after probably Georgia left. <laughs> probably. <laughs> So it was a big deal for the kids to come out and and knight a new winner. So last year, um, I was actually part of the winning team, not to brag, but... The, <laughs> you can. The Alien Macaronis took the title. So that was really exciting for our kids to win and be celebrated in like a huge way. They had all of their parents coming out and community members were coming and watching them. So it was awesome. And all of the coaches are... A mixture of volunteers from the London Police, so different task forces on the London Police, um, and also staff from London and Middlesex Community Housing, which is incredible. So I'll pass it to Chris. He can talk about um, some of the great police volunteers.
7: So all of our coaches are volunteers, and maybe it was a little bit unfair last year, but uh, (laughs) Angela's team was comprised of uh, our Deputy Chief, Daryl Longworth, actually came out and coached a lot, and he was in full uniform Mm -hmm. in July and August, Um. (laughs) They were like the major crime team. So a lot of our major crime detectives were part of that team, which is pretty phenomenal. And another team that I think I should give a shout out to is our Limberwind team, because they were made up of primarily um, our 911 dispatchers. So if I can give out a big shout out and a big thank you to all our 911 operators, because this is Telecommunicators Week. So to recognize all the great work that they do, they are absolutely part of our team. Very much appreciated. One story that I heard... Uh, one of the coaches, there was a kid that was coming out to practice constantly in flip flops because they didn't have shoes at all. Um, one of the coaches um, from Limberwin went out to a store and uh, bought some shoes for this uh, child to wear for the remainder of the season, which is pretty awesome. This is the kind of stuff that we're we're dealing with on a regular basis. So,
2: and that's the kind of stuff that through do- drive to play ball, that equipment will be there. We can that. Yeah. Well, that's what it is about. Drive to play ball, 10 to 2, Labatt Park, May the 4th. You can put that into your phone as a reminder. You can write it on your hand. If you're not going to wash your hand in the next month, uh, maybe not in your (laughs) hand, write it on the calendar, whatever it takes, round up whatever equipment you have, and then please bring that down to Labatt Park between 10 and 2 on May the 4th. Thank all of you for being here. Thanks so much for all the positivity that you bring and for what's been happening in this area for 25 years, and and it's only getting bigger and better. great story
7: absolutely thank you thank you
2: very much for thank having you. us today chris golder tim smock angela sarah and georgia williams here in studio with us on london live we will end the show talking a little bit about the london knights it's it's too early to really eliminate any kind of sting if you're stinging i can't stop the stinging but i do want to say one thing for sure and before we go away to break i want to say a big hi to danny pearson this is global news radio 980 cfbl Before we close out the show, the London Knights, they will not have another game in 2018-19. Beauty of sports, they will have a game in 2019-2020. Schedule's not out yet, but it will be. And everybody's going to look back for the the next little while, because eventually we'll forget a lot of what happened, because that's what happens in sports. But for the next little while, and they'll look back, and they will say, oh, the Knights were up 3-0. How did they not win that series against the Guelph Storm? Well, I mean, Guelph is a really good team. That's how. And Guelph will probably admit someday to not having been at their best in the first, I guess, game two, let's say. Game three. Those were their their two weak points because things were really, really tight in game one. And this this is just a really good team. And Guelph has something that may carry them far. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. And that is the pure scoring of a guy like Nick Suzuki and a guy like Isaac Ratcliffe. These two were Londoners, and sure, you get a little extra fire under you going up against your hometown team. They had starred for the London Junior Knights, all the way back to the West London Hawks, former West London Hawks. But last night... When Guelph needed a goal to stay close, or when Guelph needed a goal to tie it on the the weird icing situation, I don't know if you saw that, but there had been an icing, Knights were unable to change, they shot the puck down the ice off the face-off, and tried to make a change, and got Billy Moskal out. I think we need hockey itself to look at figuring out how this is going to work because Billy Moscow was set to take a faceoff, and he is arguably the night's best faceoff guy and McKenzie and whistle of the storm Wiley, veteran Guelph is the most experienced team out there so credit him with going and doing this but he asked the official hey wait a minute they they just iced the puck shouldn't the same group be on that guy right there taking the face-off changed as they shot the puck down the ice I would think it's okay to change While the puck is still moving down the ice, would it not be? And that's I got to go back and clarify that rule. But Isaac Radcliffe scored right off that face off and that tied the game. And as we talked about all series, the Guelph storm they really build on momentum and they take advantage of momentum and things when things go well for Guelph, they tend to go really well for Guelph and I think that sums up the final four games of the series so this is going to sting for a little while and it's okay if you're a Knights fan and you're feeling that sting it will be like that but eventually you look back and here's what you need to do go back to the start of the year you're not ready to do this now guaranteed so don't do it now because it'll just sound like me saying oh don't worry kumbaya that's not what I'm trying to do but I'm just saying in enough time when the stinging stops go back to the beginning of the year And look at what the expectations were for the London Knights. And then look at what they did. They're two very different things. The expectations were not that they would win the Western Conference. The expectations were not that they would go on a 15-game winning streak. And there are guys you got to say goodbye to, and that's always sad, but that's Junior. And there's a lot of stuff coming for this team, which is going to be really exciting. So... Keep her place on the bandwagon. Thanks to Matt McInnes for his help today. London Live brought to you by courtesy Ford Lincoln, 684 Warncliffe Road South. News is next with Jacqueline DeBell. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.